Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories, and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex. Access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I'm your host. We're working our way through the sexual alphabet one letter at a time. Today's letter is I, and I is for intercourse. When talking about sex, intercourse is, the, is a word that we often use for fucking. But intercourse is also used to refer to communication. And so we're going to start, I think, by addressing it in that broader sense. Want to know fun and arousing ways to communicate your sexual needs? Or perhaps you want to enliven your sex as usual with your partner. Or maybe you're not sure when or if to have sex with a new partner or agree to do certain sexual things. No worry. Today's guest, Dr. Leslie Beth Wish, has great advice that's tested and tried with thousands of couples that she's counseled. Dr. Leslie Beth Wish is an award-winning nationally recognized author and a licensed clinical psychotherapist specializing in help you to get smart, brave, and intuitive in your love, life, and work. Dr. Wish is the author of her book, Smart Relationships, which is based on five years of research with thousands of couples. The National Association of Social Workers placed her on their list of the top 50 who have contributed to the profession. She's also the subject of a biographical entry in many of the marquee who's who's publications for her pioneering work with women. Dr. Wish served for many years as the clinical director of the nationally respected Institute of Family Relations in in Boston, Massachusetts. The Institute was known as one of the first places to receive licensed professional counseling for sexual issues. Leslie Beth, it's great to have you here. Thank you. And I love the introduction of explaining what we mean by intercourse. Thank you. You're quite welcome. So, if we're looking at it in the in the kind of wider sense, what do you think it's important for people to be able to do to promote good intercourse in terms of communication and then exciting and good sexual intercourse? Well, let, there's, let's take it in two steps. Mm-hmm. One is whether it's a new relationship or whether it's an existing one. Mm-hmm. But in either scenario, the first thing to do is to ask yourself, am I happy sexually? Do I feel good about my sex life? So let's start with becoming aware of what your feelings are and thoughts about that. And then the second step is, what do I want to do about it? And then thirdly, how do I want to do about it? So do most couples come to you knowing what the issue is or the issues are or just completely clueless? 
it's a mix. Some people think they know exactly what they want to talk about, mm -hmm. and it could be, you know, non-sexual. It could be my husband doesn't respect what I say, or my partner, you know, um, is having an affair, or my my wife doesn't, you know, like to do things in bed. So it's it's a mix, but eventually. If the couple stays in therapy, we talk about their whole picture of their life. And, of course, that includes sex. You know, I find that people um, often have never been given the opportunity to talk about sex with a professional because um, I'm not sure how it is in the States now, but certainly in the UK, there's still many professionals don't ask about sex readily. Um, so even when even when couples have sexual problems or issues, they find it really difficult to bring it up with their general practitioner or with um, an OBGYN. And so nobody asks them about it. So it never gets raised. Is it quite similar? To, is it often you're the first place where they have the opportunity to talk about those things? Well, often, yes and no, because oftentimes I have to literally raise the issue of mm -hmm. sex. And you're so right. You know, therapists either back away from it or they don't think that um, the problems that the couple is having or that the individual is having has anything to do with sex or that it doesn't play out in their sex life. Or they begin to ask questions, but they're not properly trained. So it's always smart to ask your therapist, you know, if you know you're going in with a sex problem, to say, you know, do you have advanced training in this? And how, I mean... For people who are too shy to ask that question, how what kinds of things should they be looking for? Um, what kinds of questions can they ask that will give them that answer without having to say, I'm here for a sex problem? Well, the client can say things like, you know, there, there are a lot of things that aren't so great in my relationship. And, you know, some of them are hard to talk about. And um, what kinds of things um, are your expertise? And on the therapist side, the therapist can say, you know, we look at the whole picture. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm always amazed at, at how much back off there is about talking about sex amongst professionals. So if we assume that that's true, that that. Even talking to a having being a professional, even even raising the issue of sex and talking about sex is diff, can be difficult. Then how much harder must it be for our clients if we're not able to model that? Very difficult. And I don't know too many private physicians, you know, who are they're the general practitioner or a gynecologist. Some women feel comfortable with their um, female gynecologist talking about it. Mm -hmm. So. That that seems to be more prevalent, and some men are more comfortable also talking to a female um, mental health practitioner. So that's very interesting. At the Institute in, in the Boston area, more men felt comfortable after the initial intake meeting when they were talking about, you know, this was before Viagra, yeah. when they were coming in with the problem of, um, you know, erectile dysfunction. They were given the option, would you like to talk to a man or a woman? And more of them wanted to speak to a woman. That's fascinating. What do you think that was about? Male embarrassment, not wanting to see and feel and appear inadequate in front of, a, of another man. Right, right. What are some tips you would give somebody who's been in a long-term relationship without getting their sexual needs met because they have not felt able to talk about what those needs are. And, you know, this happens very common. It, it really mm. is. 
the relationship is good, um, and even if it's not good, sometimes sex as usual happens, and mm -hmm. the, the couple feels that they're afraid to rock the boat. Maybe it will be seen as you know, criticizing or one more thing that's wrong. Right. You know, the kids aren't doing well, we're having financial problems, and now you want me to work on our sex life? So it, it gets lost. And so that's why really enlightened and fully trained therapists will include talking about sex, not doing something as awkward as how's your sex life or would you like to talk about sex, but talking about sex. Hey, you know, if there's financial problems, problems with the kids, it can create distance. You know, your mother-in-law's moved into the house and her bedroom is on your wall of your, you know, your private bedroom. Golly, that, that's got to interfere with your sex life. So my job is to make it normal, to make mm -hmm. it hey, this is pretty common, it's fixable, it's no big deal, it's not a big neon flashing sign that your relationship's in trouble. So so really a big part of it is is normalizing. I mean, I remember that um, personally for me, I was in a marriage where there was no sex and I thought I was the only person and I was a trained professional and I still thought, you know, people who would come to see me they weren't in sexless marriages. They had sexual issues. <laughs> they had relationship issues, but they weren't in completely sexless marriages. I really thought I was the only person on the planet. And I remember talking to a colleague who was a friend and finally saying, this, you know, this is happening and I'm, I'm so upset about it and I'm in therapy and I'm going to leave. And she said, you have no idea how many people are in relationships where there's no sex or bad sex. I think people don't right. know people don't know how common these problems are. They're very common and you're right. People are embarrassed to say it. Mm. They they just feel like oh my gosh, I seem like such a happy person on the outside. I've got a great partner. We look like a great couple. Little do they know that we mm. have sex maybe, you know, after a whatever, an event or something. You know, it's it's not uncommon at all. So a lot of people have um, written in and asked things like, how much sex is, is, is the normal amount of sex? What's your response to that? That's a very easy question to answer, actually. The right answer is whatever both partners in the relationship feel is satisfying. So that's an interesting answer to me because I agree with you. And I also realize that a lot of the time the problem is, is that they have different views of what will be satisfying. Yeah, and the statistics are not very helpful. Um, happy couples make love, you know, 2.1 time a week. You know, well, yeah. really? Every yeah. single week? Well, well, you know, think of, of when you're sick or the kids are sick or you're having in-law problems or money problems or job problems. Really, you're just going to say, you know, some people do relieve their tension by having sex more often and some don't. So again, the real test is whether both partners are you know, more or less mutually satisfied. There's always room for tweaking, right? Mm -hmm. But that's, the, that's a better gauge. Right. So instead of aiming for that, you know, mythical number, actually looking at what's satisfying you. And when people have really very different um, sex drives, how, why look at the, what kinds of things can they do to handle that so they can come to a place in the middle that feels better. 
that, that's a tough one, you know, and you don't always know that you and your partner have different arousal levels because about the first two years of courtship, dating, particularly if you agree to have, you know, sex during, you know, before you get married or living together or whatever the commitment level is that you want, you're arousal level is so high, your sex hormones are so high, your love hormones, your, your oxytocin, your vasopressin, all the neurochemicals in your brain are on go, go, go. So it feels great and you don't expect it to change, but it does, things normalize. Most happy relationships are not spent in overdrive. They have ups and downs, you know, third gear is what I call it, is the nice cruising out, mm -hmm. you know, level. But so but what do you do if you find out after those first two years or so of, of literally sexual arousal honeymoon time, what happens after that when you really see what happens when one person's you know, needs are dramatically you know, out of sync with yours? So there are a couple things you can do. Of course, there are all kinds of um, arousal creams that you can buy mm -hmm. that you know, stimulate you. You know, those didn't used to be on the market. Now they are and they're safe. And, you know, the anxiety of using them kind of adds to the excitement rather than detract from it, actually. Mm -hmm. um, you know, excitement and, and anxiety often feel the same. You know, think of the difference between being on a roller coaster and versus being anxious about something when you are anxious, excuse me, and having um, too much coffee. That doesn't make you anxious. It just makes you, you know, not afraid of anything, but you get jittery. So it's really hard to determine the two and your brain doesn't know the difference. So when you do something new and you get a little anxious, it's also arousing. So especially when it has to do with sex, so it's kind of fun. Other things you can do is go out to your favorite restaurant or, or a romantic restaurant or a place you've never been before. Sit in a corner and talk about your sex life. Honey, here are some things I'd like to do. Here's a list of things I've heard about, read about, thought about, you know, fantasized about. Check off the ones that interest you. Which ones would you be willing to try? Mm -hmm. The fun of that is knowing that you're in public talking about this. So it adds an extra layer of arousal. That's great. You know, what I, what I found really interesting about what you've just said, which I hadn't considered fully, is how much chemistry is playing a part in this. So if we are saying that, you know, after the first couple of years, you habituate essentially to the chemicals. So they drop down to Correct. a normal, they drop to a normal yeah. level. So the way to get those pumping again is to, is to again, bring some newness, some surprise back into the relationship. Cause that's you have a to, great way. Yes. You have to mix things up. Don't you? Yes, that's a great way of explaining it because one of the things I recommend to couples long term to add some um, excitement to their life that is non-sexual is to do something new. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be major. It could be going to see a movie that, you know, both of you heard about, going to a different restaurant, um, going out to dinner with different people. It doesn't have to be traveling, you know, to exotic places just something different, spending the day differently. 
anything that is new. And why does that work? Because once again, newness creates arousal and anticipation, yeah. Yeah. but part of anticipation is anxiety. And when you are anxious, you tend to bond more with your partner because he or she is your, your, your buddy, your safety net. So it brings you closer together without you really knowing how your neurochemicals are helping you. Which makes, which makes lots of sense. I mean, I, I tend to, to tell clients, look, um, if date night is always the same thing every time, it's not really date night, right? It's not going to be right. exciting. It's not going to stimulate anything. So make date night something different. And again, I would say the same thing as you. You don't have to spend a major amount of money. You don't have to fly around the world. But do something that brings you back to a state of unknowingness. So you can't predict every minute, <laughs> you know, something that Correct. raises your anxiety, something that, that, that is exciting because you've not done it before together. One of, right. One of the things I recommend to people is play tourist in your own town. Oh, that sounds great. Think of all the people who live in New York City and have never been to the Statue of Liberty or uh, the top of the rock or and in your own town. You haven't been to your park or, or the museum or whatever. Play tourist in your own town. Yeah, and that's a great one because, you know, a lot of people don't go to any of the tourist attractions in their own town. Or if they do, they only do it when relatives and friends come to visit. And so they never right. they go to the same places over and over again because that's what everyone wants to see. When people come to visit me in England, everybody wants to come to London and everybody wants to see, for example, the Crown Jewels or Big Ben or Harrods or, you know, there are the same attractions that we go to over and over and over again because that's what everyone wants to see. And there's a million other attractions we've never seen. So that's a great idea. I'm sure that's it's that way for most people, that there are plenty of things they could do in their own town that they just don't get around to. Another thing they can do is when you go to a, 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 a date movie that has romance or, or even a thriller movie that has couples doing something. I mean, almost every kind of movie has couples doing something in it. Go home and try to act out what the couple did in the movies. That's great. You know, one of the one of the most common scenes and it is so difficult to do and and you end up laughing there's two actually two scenes that they show all the time in movie sex one is the guy slams the woman against the wall lifts her up and 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 does fits it together well do you know how difficult that is to do well no, I mean, no i'm sorry nobody's slamming me i'm um, i am not a small woman i'm not huge but i'm not a small woman nobody's slamming me against the wall lifting me up and and Doing it. It's doing not happening. Thing. Right. Maybe I, well, but it's, flexible in 20, maybe. 53? No, it's not happening. <laughs> well, so, but couples try to imitate it. It is just really difficult. The other one is when they show the couple in bed and they roll in bed together. All right. One minute he's on top of her and she, yep. that doesn't work so well either. And it's hysterical to try it. You end up laughing. You know, again, you, you, it drops your guard. It drops your defenses. So those are the kinds of fun things you can do. Okay. So now that's another really important point that you just made, which is laughter laughter in the bedroom. And people think that that's necessarily a bad thing when actually the reverse is true. If you can laugh together in the bedroom, you're going to have far better sex than if you cannot. I'm always amazed how often people are, people are terribly worried because in their mind, what laughter means is that, that somebody's making fun of you rather than laughter being a letting off of anxiety and a letting off of steam. 
Great. You know, go back and watch the movie Jerry Maguire. There's a scene where the um, older sister is in the kitchen and she's hearing her sister and the character who Tom Cruise plays having sex. And they're not going, you know, groaning and moaning and oh my God, you know, they're laughing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's amazing how serious everybody makes this. Yeah, there's time to be serious, but it's also, there's time for fun. I, I spent, wrote an article about how to do role play without feeling like an idiot. And it was all about trying things out and laughing and not worrying about it. And when it gets hot and sexy, it will. And then you can go forward with that. But if it doesn't work, you know, enjoy the laughter and then enjoy the closeness you feel because you've tried yes, this laughter. thing. Yes. Laughter brings people together. The other thing you can do is play school. And this is something that um, couples who've been together a long time, or especially couples who are new to each other sexually. So play school. Okay, I'm the teacher and you're the student. Um, I'm going to show you things that I like. Right. And, and, um, and then we'll reverse and you show me things that you like, what you can be the teacher and you're teaching the student. So play, make it a game, you know, teacher, student, master, slave, whatever you want to call it, but make it fun rather than saying, honey, I have something to talk serious about you. You know, the past couple times we've had sex, I haven't. And you know, that, that just raises anxiety. Do it fun, make it fun. That sounds great. I'm, and I think about, you know, the other things that people are concerned about that at, they ask about all the time is orgasm, right? Orgasm is the thing that people are most concerned about. There are, I think the most recent statistic is 37% of women who don't achieve orgasm regularly. And, and a lot of them um, only achieve orgasm um, not through intercourse, yes. through manual or oral or, or um, using a device. Yeah. So, you know, get rid of those rules. Get, you know, get rid of the rules as to how it's supposed to happen. The goal is for you to feel good. And there's lots of ways to feel good. Tons. Absolute tons. What else do clients come into you with? Well, one of the things that happens is at the beginning of a relationship, some of the women come to see me and say, I really like this guy or person, who, male, female, whatever. I really like this person. And I just, I'm not feeling so free sexually. I, it's, it's not like what I want or what I thought would happen. So those first time, not literally the first time, but first times mm -hmm. sex can be very difficult because you feel awkward. You don't like naked you, you don't know how to communicate what you need you wonder if if you are a sexual match I mean all these things are going through your head I mean no wonder it's not such a great experience all the time you know it's only in the movies that every time a couple gets together for the first time fireworks go off you know so <laughs> I, I wish they'd make it more real. There was one movie, I don't remember the name, but it starred, um, I'll think of her in a minute, um, Glenda Jackson. Right. And she's having sex for the first time with um, George Siegel. And it didn't go so well. And, and and that's just such a rarity to see that in a movie. And I wish they would make movies a little bit more real. But at any rate, some of the things you can do if you're in a new relationship, because it can be, you know, difficult. 
Again, some of the same tips I recommended before work for new couples too. Go to a restaurant, preferably before you've even had sex, and talk about, first of all, agree you want to have sex with each other, mm. and talk about what turns you on. What do you like? You know, what, what, just tell me one little sexual secret. You know, what, what kind of things do you like? Should we watch a movie? Do you like to read books? to each other? Do you like to just get massages? You know, just tell me what you like and get sort of like a general roadmap of the body. And sometimes couples can't wait to get back and try it and some wait a little bit till they feel more comfortable and it's whatever works for you. So go back and do that. Again, play school. Hey, um, your body is new to me. Maybe we'll end up having intercourse our first time together and maybe we won't. But let's just take turns touching each other and exploring each other's bodies. And that doesn't mean just genitals. You know, get some massage oil and start with that. Start with something relaxing, getting used to being naked together or get used to having your clothes ripped off. You know, sometimes it's more sexy to start with your clothes on, but start with something that makes you feel comfortable and something that doesn't automatically have to end up in genital contact. I, I think it's great if couples can agree that not every sexual experience is going to end up with penetration. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And especially for new couples, when you're learning about each other and, and getting a sense, you know, it's very difficult. The other things you can do if you're a new couple, particularly in those first times, pretend in your mind that you've known each other a long time. So why does this work? Well, the brain is a very fascinating organ. If you pretend something, if you image something in your mind, visually imagine it happening, imagine that you're doing this, that you've been there many times, that you trust your partner, your brain does not make a clear distinction between imagining and doing. And a long time ago when this was discovered amongst um, coaches who were coaching sports teams, they would talk about which plays, they would, you know, draw a diagram, they would ask their key players to, you know, map it out, you know, draw the little X's and O's and imagine mm -hmm. in their head. And the practicing of that without actually doing it was equally as powerful and helpful. So pretend that this is someone who you love or like a lot and this person likes you, you trust each other, that can go a long way. Pretend you are no longer awkward. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. And I think for those people who aren't terribly visual and actually visualizing and, and trying to put it in there, remember that you've got all your other senses. So when, you, when you're creating your pretend in your head, if you can't really clearly visualize the other person, you can sit there and think about what they sound like and pretend on that level. Yes, definitely. And again, that restaurant talk, that has worked so well for my clients. It's very, you know, um, exciting. You know, you don't, you know, you look at your partner saying, if they only knew what we're talking about right yeah. now. And you can bring, you know, you can bring a book with you, pornography, if that turns you on. It's, it's, there's no rules. It's what you will take. And what I don't like about um, the movies, um, the Fifty Shades of Grey, was oh. that she was not such a willing partner. So you want to be careful about that. One of the traps that women get into is they play courtesan. They end up focusing on pleasing 
their partner, particularly if it's a new partner, because you feel like you think you're going to get extra points for that and, and make your partner so happy that he or she won't leave you. But then you leave yourself out. I mean, I think I have uh, loads of problems with Fifty Shades of Grey, primarily because it, 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 it isn't describing a good consensual way to enter that type of relationship. So I agree with you. I think a lot of times, not just women though, men will do the same. We'll get hooked yes. into the idea of, of, of wanting a person so much that they're going to do anything they can to please this person, anything they can not to lose the relationship. And as you say, they lose their self in it. They don't keep track of their own desires and their own needs. And that can end quite disastrously. It creates tremendous distance. And then you get into a rut of your partner expecting to be pleased and, and falsely believing that you like doing that all the time. So, you know, it's two ways. And again, find fun ways to communicate your needs, whether it's acting out movies, playing talking in restaurants. Um, the other thing you can do is go for a long walk. If you don't want to go to a restaurant, go someplace, you know, wherever uh, your park your beach or whatever you can go to and have a talk there talk about let's enliven our sex life let you know what are some things that you would like me to do that you haven't you know really felt comfortable mentioning this is my birthday present to you or my halloween present or my first day of spring you know make it fun i think and and for me what i take out of this discussion so clearly is, is that the number one thing is actually being able to communicate with your partner and that you may find it difficult, but you can find all sorts of different ways to make it lighthearted and fun. And yet you're still talking about important things about what your needs are, what their needs are and what you'd like to do together. And that leads us from intercourse in terms of communication to maybe possibly being able to have good sexual intercourse. Um, I wanted to know, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I totally agree. It's a, it's a great way of explaining it. I, thank you. I wanted to know what you want the listeners to know about your work and anything that you've got coming up that's exciting that you think people might want to take advantage of. Oh, sure. Thank you. Well, first, please go to my website, lovevictory.com. That's lovevictory.com. And you will see um, my picture, and you will see that my um, words at the very top talk about what I do to help people. My goal is to help people become brave emotionally, physically, to become intuitive so they can trust their own judgment. That is so important. Mm -hmm. And in, in every aspect of your life. So if you go to my website, lovevictory.com, and on the right-hand side, the, you know, um, the vertical column, you will see that there's a, a place to sign up. And if you do sign up with your email, you will get automatically in three separate installments, three um, eBooks, gifts. And they're all about different aspects of trusting your and training your intuition. The other thing is, if you do that, my next project is training your love intuition, because that was one of the things I learned in doing my research with thousands and thousands of couples over five years from my book that you were so kind to mention, Smart Relationships. And one of the things that 
um, I was asked once on a radio show was, if you could give couples one tip or individuals one tip as to how they could improve their love life and make good choices, and I said, if you could really train and trust your intuitive judgment. So I will be doing a series of workshops on that in the um, not too distant future. So if I have your email, I can send you information and the first ones will be free. That's brilliant. And I'm sure there'll be quite a few people who will want to pursue that. So thank you so much for joining me here. It's been a great conversation and there's just so much information for the people who've been listening. Thank you. And I, I loved our conversation. I think your listeners will like it. It doesn't come across as a so-called interview. It's just a nice flowing discussion that I think people will feel enlightened and also relaxed to hear. I hope so. Thanks for joining me this week for the A to Z of Sex. Write in with your questions to Dr. Lori Beth at a to Z of sex.com and visit both websites, www.atozofsex.com and www.theintimacycoach.com to learn about alternative sexual choices, types of relationships, and to learn to sizzle and create that ideal, lasting, intimate relationship. For a three free 30-minute session with me, head over to www.atozofsex.com and click on the button that says Book Now. I hope you'll all join me next week when we will attack the letter G. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. To subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.